the Merry Menopause Book Club, the podcast that brings you the authors of the books written to inspire us, educate us and guide us on our journey through midlife. Created and hosted by me, Jo Fuller, menopause and menstruation educator and founder of the Merry Menopause. I want to give women the information and education they need to make empowered choices around their health and well-being so that ultimately they can have a merry menopause. Welcome to this episode of the Merry Menopause Book Club. Today I'm joined by Ruth Devlin. Ruth is a registered nurse and founder of Let's Talk Menopause, which she set up in response to the conflicting advice she received during her own perimenopause. Ruth has gone on to raise awareness and provide accurate and helpful information on the menopause through her own courses, speaking at events and on TV and radio. She is passionate about health and well-being and the importance of helping to prevent ill health, as well as specialising in the menopause. She works within the public, private and third sectors. Ruth has also written a book, Men, Let's Talk Menopause. And that is why I've asked Ruth to be my guest today to discuss this very important subject, men and the menopause. Hello, Ruth. Thank you for joining me. Oh, hi. Nice to nice to see you. And thanks for having me on. Oh, I I think this is a huge, important subject. Um, I think there's an awful lot of uh, help out there for women now around menopause yeah. but this brilliant book simple easy read guide for men to help them understand what's happening to the women in their life I think is, is an invaluable little read for everyone and I'd love to know why of you know being who you are and the background that you have why you pick this particular subject and, and thank you for writing this book but why, yeah. why did you focus on this Oh, well, that's really kind. Well, I, you know, I'm, I, as you know, I go and do talks within the community in the workplace and they're predominantly attended by women um, and you get the odd token male coming coming on board. And that can be for varying reasons. They might feel a bit um, out of their depth, out of their comfort zone attending a talk on the menopause or they just don't feel comfortable um, attending it. But also some people, they some men, they you know, they've said they just feel sensitive to women and you know they might just think well they don't want me there when they're talking about sensitive topics so but without fail at the end of every talk women would say what we need is is some information for men and oh I wish my partner could have this information I wish my line manager could have this information so I set about um thinking about it and then thought okay I could write a short guide and then before I wrote it I thought, well, I haven't a clue what um, really what men are thinking. I wouldn't, I wouldn't deem to think that I knew what a man was thinking about the menopause. So I did a, a short questionnaire and sent it out to um, family and friends, male family and friends, and those uh, members who I knew would be very honest and very blunt, and across a good cross section of, uh, of um, men. And you know, I was astounded by not only the speed that they replied, but also by the, the um, quality of their responses. Nobody was flippant, nobody was jokey, they were all really serious. 
even the most chauvinistic of them, shall I say, <laughs> and um, the ones that I thought I'm going to, you know, get some sort of flip and dance from them, and just genuinely cared about their partners and their wives or their colleagues, and and all of them without fail wanted more information, um, but didn't want a long, lengthy tomb um, to have to wade through. They just wanted short, sharp, um, you know, facts and and how can we help, basically. And I think you really listened to that because you know men do you know women women need read fiction you know the sales yeah. of books that you know women women buy fiction men want facts yeah, just yeah. tell just tell me and, and I'll do it almost yeah um yeah. and I love it in here because you've a lot of the the chapters are uh the way you've broken it up is like questions that men would ask you know what's happening how can I think you know it's a bit how can I help mm. because you know this conversation is only really just opening up for women on such a broad spectrum. So if, if we don't understand it, how can we possibly expect people who are experiencing it by proxy to understand it? Absolutely. And it's also down to the sort of, you know, what type of relationship you have with your partner or your colleague. You know, that's such an individual thing as well. So it's not down to the two individuals, it's also down to that, what sort of relationship they have. How open are they? At, you know, how good are they at discussing? How how good are they at um showing their feelings and describing what they're feeling like you know and um that's really individualized unique response to anything but particularly with the menopause which can be such a hard topic to discuss because um a lot of women want to bury their heads in the sand anyway they don't want to acknowledge that they're going through the menopause they sort of envisage it as something that should be happening to the grannies you know that little gray-haired grannies tottering around on zimmer frames and things and they they think this can't possibly be happening to me i can't possibly be be starting to go through the menopause surely i'm too young so they a lot of women do literally just just ignore it for a while until things become debilitating um so i think it's um you know having pitching it at a level which was really easy to read and which they could whiz through in an hour because I know that you know men's level of attention span can sometimes on some topics like this could be limited and I think you know you just had to get the the key facts across in as short a space of time as possible. I know I have recommended this book to friends and people in in the menopause community to go and buy it and sort of you know actually use that as the conversation starter and say listen you know there is there's a book written about this because it is a relevant and hard conversation to have so somebody's actually written a book about it you know we need to talk about it and look you're not alone you know we're yes. not alone yeah. so and conversations with men around menopause or in um in a relationship and at work mm. are they should they be treated differently Within the workplace. So talking to your partner yeah. or talking to your talking to your male partner or talking to your male boss. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a very different conversation you're going to be having, isn't it? So, But I think within the workplace, it can be particularly hard. But then down to each individual, you know, you might get some younger managers who are actually better at talking about these things and some some middle-aged women who are going through it themselves who are managers because mm-hmm. they, they can empathise more because they've maybe had... A perimenopausal mother who they've experienced that and they've you know learned to understand uh, what she's been going through so I think you know um, don't underestimate some women some men uh, is what I want to say to to people but but give them a chance you know help them to understand what what you're going through um, 
don't tarnish all of them with the same with the same brush at all. I would without fail if I've been into an organization and we've put on men only talks because that's a really good way of facilitating education for men. I, they've all been well attended and they've all been really interactive. Once you start talking, you can't shut them up. You literally can't. I thought they you, they would be very dry um talks and I you know you'd be trying to drag information out of people but no you literally once you provide a nice safe space confidential space for them to go and talk openly about what they're concerned about they just the, the questions pour out of them and they just they don't mind asking anything at all and I imagine the more that the workplace awareness is happening yeah. um and men in the workplace are being educated, you know, from a, a, a corporate or a work point of view, yeah. they're going to find it easier then to bring that conversation home. So actually, it's, you know, the the work, the workplace awareness is actually benefiting, you know, the home life as well. Oh, very much so. And since we've been because I mean, since last March, I obviously took all my talks online. And since, you know, it, um, we've been able to do everything online, that's helped to facilitate educate women at home as well because you'll get you'll get people attending a corporate event and they'll say do you mind if my wife um, listens in as well it's like absolutely not the more the merrier just you know so no much easier to start that conversation definitely and to get everybody talking and I think that's that's an ideal opportunity um, because they're both listening to somebody else talking they're not trying to have that conversation themselves they're listening to the information together and they say did you hear what she said then yes I heard gosh I didn't know about that and you know then that starts a con- help to start a conversation between them you know is that really how you were feeling well no but I did have this and you know it's just it's just an icebreaker sometimes which uh, which is can be really important and also imagine if a guy is you know in a relationship and suddenly you know, women starting her menopause transition and things are starting to change mm. and neither of them are really understanding what's going on. Yeah. Sometimes if he's got the knowledge and she is burying her head in the sand, you know, mm. he, he can then raise the conversation and go, could it be this? Have you considered that it's this? You know, she could have just been to the GP and been given antidepressants and no advice. Yeah. Yet still there, there are fundamental differences in her physically and mentally. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's definite ways of phrasing things, aren't there? I mean, I think, you know, sometimes <laughs> I plow in with both feet, full feet and go, you're going through the menopause then. Well, it's just not the best way to approach the topic at yeah. all, you know, just especially, um, oh gosh, especially with people who are really close to you, I think, as well, they can, you know, fire off a reaction, um, obviously, depending upon the individual. But I think, you know, just skirting around the issues a little bit to start with can be, you know, oh, I've heard that, uh, you know, maybe a couple of these symptoms are to do with maybe hormones fluctuating away for a bit. And I'm not suggesting you might be going through this, but, you know, have you ever thought about that? And look, oh, this is a good, this is maybe a good website to look at and things like that, rather than ploughing in. <laughs> no, and you actually, you actually, there, you, there is in the book, you said there is a, a tip, never say... <laughs> Yes. oh it must be your hormones or it's yeah. definitely that time of the month again or go and take a chill pill yeah but yeah, yeah don't don't start it with a triggering absolutely you know, That's reaction trigger. yeah you're just going to trigger something violent <laughs> in a lot of women actually <laughs> but you're not going to sort the issue are you it's just it's just gonna Yay. she's Yay. either gonna um keep it uh what's the word uh Keep it bottled Brain up and keep it suppressed. Yeah, you're ever going to have the opposite reaction, uh, definitely, yeah. in some way. And she's going to fester on it and fester on it and fester yeah, on it. It's going yeah, yeah. to explode. 
Um, but men, men go through a, a midlife change. They can well. do. Yes, yeah. I mean, let's not leave them out, Ruth. Let's include them. Let's give them yeah, something. No, absolutely. Inclusivity all the way. I think, well, definitely. I mean, we're all ageing. So, you know, metabolic rates are slowing down and um, testosterone levels are very, very slowly declining, things like that. So they're getting um, mild form of hormone fluctuation, not quite as severe as um, women experience, obviously. But um, yes, you know, a thickening of the girth, so to speak, because their um, uh, metabolic rates are slowing down as well. And they just need to be aware, like women do, of... Um, your lifestyle choices. So, you know, men and women need to look at um, your diet, your hydration levels, your alcohol levels, your caffeine levels, sleep deprivation, all these sorts of things play a role with their health as well. And I think, you know, lots of men forget that and and they just they just plow and then they get to a certain age and they think, oh gosh, my joints are aching and I'm not, I can't do, can't go and play rugby anymore. So I'm just going to sit with my legs up. But they still, they also need to move their joints through their full range of movement and they need to get out and about and and have a really good look at their diet and there's certain things that they might be have been able to eat and process quite happily in their 20s and 30s but fat distribution changes throughout your life and don't forget men you all have pelvic floors as well so every man needs to do their pelvic floor exercises as well as women and i think it's amazing the amount of men who go really i have a pelvic floor I was like absolutely <laughs> do your pelvic floor exercises and is that to help with incontinence male yeah, incontinence well incontinence and potential incontinence not saying that every man or every woman's going to go and develop that, but it, it, yeah, definitely in things like erectile dysfunction, things like that, it can help in those areas. Um, so no, definitely, um, and every person on the planet should download the Squeezy app, which is the NHS app for um, helping with pelvic. Yes, floors. and you mentioned that. How does that? How does a man do his pelvic floor? Is it the same as as the, for a woman? Sort of that stopping it himself is. going to it the It is. My husband week. asked me that. Yeah, no, definitely. And he said, <laughs> he said, well, the best way to describe it. Somebody once said to me, they said nuts to guts. Basically, keep that in your head, <laughs> nuts to guts. But imagine if you are a male and you're jumping into a very very cold North Sea, um, and what will happen then? Your nuts will go to your guts. So there we go. <laughs> simple so but you just it just takes practice and i think that the I problem that. is it's um you you have to take responsibility for these things mm. and you have to know that they are going to have an impact later on in your life and it's the same with women it's just you know you've only got one body and that's your body to look after and you might need medical intervention occasionally along the way and a little bit of help but ultimately you know, you, your quality of life is dictated by how you look after that body to a certain extent. Obviously, some people have unfortunate long-term health conditions, which which, they've, which are genetically um, have a genetic background. But I think, you know, overall, people could do an awful lot more for themselves through looking at their lifestyle choices, their diet, their exercise levels, things like that. They're helping their mental health Um and not relying on just not always thinking right medication first. There's absolutely a world um, where medication is required, but you have to you have to think about the huge umbrella of what can I do for myself, and um, and what do I need? And I I mean I'm so on that because my sort of my little slogan is educate before you medicate, mm. and it's like you know and, and you you write there's a line in in the book a quote from the NHS from 2011 
um, saying women's health care must focus on preventing um, ill health rather than firefighting disease. Absolutely. Now, I've never heard that, that quote. I've never seen that, you know, yeah. plastered around as their PR on a poster. I've never seen that. And that is the message that should be yeah. be given it, out. It, that should be prominent. That should be, you know. Makes so much sense, doesn't it, to pre- help prevent ill health rather than always firefighting it. And I think people put off and put off and put off. Um, and particularly with something like the menopause, you know, people genuinely, not everybody, excuse me, um, puts, puts, puts it off. But I think a, a large proportion of women, they just don't want to think they're at that stage in their lives. And so they, you know, then it gets to a certain stage where they think, oh, flip, now I'm really going to have to do, you know, I'm affecting other people's lives. Because menopause, if you're, if you're cranky and if you're irritable, if you're having a really miserable time and you're, you know, emotionally and psychologically um, impaired as well then that's going to have an impact on the wider family and colleagues at work and things so you know the sooner you get informed and the sooner you really start looking after yourself the better yeah absolutely and it but it's it's a message that we don't seem to I mean it's an empowering message it's like you have control over mm. this body and this mind you have total control but it's not a message that we are given. It's it's like, you know, there is a cure. You've got a symptom, we'll give you something to take it away. It's not like yeah. you know, functional medicine where they'll look at the root cause. We're very much conditioned to like, well, it doesn't matter. I'll take something and it will go away. But actually the really powerful part of it is that we do have yeah. control. We have those, we can make those choices. We can choose to have a merry menopause. We can choose yeah. to have a healthy life post-menopause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But why, why, if the NHS has got such a brilliant quote, why is that not on T-shirts and pens and mugs? I know, I know it should be, shouldn't it? Because somewhere uh, in the heart of the NHS, that is that is what they're striving for. Yes, I mean, I don't know about is. you, Ruth, but when all the COVID messaging that was going on, you know, and they were standing up with you know, on the podiums that every night giving out their message, and not what, what one point did they give advice on lifestyle? You know, the yeah, stats are showing that this is affecting people who are obese. Yes, we know it's got underlying health conditions, but, you know, do your daily exercise that we're letting you, you know, boost your immunity, yeah. eat these foods, cut mm. these foods out. Never once were they giving out health advice on those, whatever they were, five or six o'clock meetings. And I was yeah. In, oh my god yeah no you're right actually yeah no, they should have done a bit of that definitely Rather because it's scaring it, everybody to stay yeah. inside it's like yeah no. people to how can they fight it rather than maybe they wanted yeah. to suppress us all both maybe that's another concept uh, no i don't think so i, don't, I just think they had probably too much to think about yeah <laughs> themselves are in panic mode probably but i think it's it's getting across to people that it doesn't you don't have to dramatically change your lifestyle that's the important thing that you know you don't have to dramatically change your diet unless it's really really bad but the majority of us now know what a healthy diet is and what you should be including in your diet and but you know it's those little extra things these little extra tweaks that you can make which make a significant difference to how you um experience symptoms and then how you cope with them and you're not you know there's no cure for the for the menopause you have to learn to live with it and there's certain things you can do to help the intensity and frequency of your symptoms. But I mean, HRT for some people can feel like a cure. It's a fantastic thing. But again, there you've got scaremongering by the press, you know, sensationalistic headlines, inaccurate sensationalistic headlines. And so that's, you know, um, stifled people's um, uh, access 
to HRT because they're scared. They, they, they're not educated um, on the benefits of, uh, of HRT. They don't know enough about it to have the confidence to then go along to their general practice to think this might be an option for me. My, my symptoms are really debilitating and I, I really think I might need some medication. But they're, they're too frightened to go on it by these sensationalistic headlines, which were inaccurate. So things like that are really important mm-hmm. as well to get across to people. And also that HRT is not a panacea. You know, it still needs to be supported. Yeah, you know, yeah. you do you oh, do yeah. need to make those tweaks. And I think those tweaks come with the admission, Ruth, don't they? That we are not 30 anymore. We can't live no. the life we used to live as 30-year-olds. We can't party like that. We can't eat like that. We can't drink like that. You know, we have to admit that we're changing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, spot on. And I think, you know, you, you, you were spot on there that you, you do have to do everything in combination you know, you have to take 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 what works for you and not rely on just one thing, but but to be as proactive as you can um, on the lifestyle front, definitely. And do your research. Mm, yeah. You know, look at your definitely. options. Yeah, no, definitely. But no, I mean, one of the things which is hard is if you do go along to see a healthcare professional, there's only a limited amount of time to for them to get across to you all the different options which might be available for one particular symptom that you're suffering from and I think that's that's hard because I think you know it's it's good to be able to make an educated decision on which route you want to go down when you're thinking about trying to cope with with a particular symptom so um and so if you do go along to see your GP so I'm just going slightly off track here Joe but if you do go along to see your GP be as informed as you can about your symptoms write things down right or write log them on apps or um on your phone give if you give your GP or your practice nurse as much information as you can they can help you you know in a better way and make sure that you that you make a repeat appointment because usually with the first appointment you you probably don't quite get across what you're wanting to get across and then the next time you go you'll go actually what I really wanted to say was this is my worst symptom this is what I'm really struggling with and can you help me with that so you know take a take a really measured approach when you a structured approach when you go to see something like your GP but I just remember they're human they have off days as well Oh, and they've got so much information in their head. You know, they're treating mm. every ailment under the sun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know that now for especially my local surgery, we do have a menopause um, specific nurse in there. Great. And you can book a double appointment with her. Brilliant. You know, they've really sort of, they've really widened that and opened it up and understood the need for, you know, women to have a bit of extra time to to discuss yes. what's going on so I, I don't know if that is a, a general countrywide thing and you know I know that we're very lucky to have her um, no I, th- I think it's parents. yeah I think it's postcode um it's a postcode lottery definitely um some people are luckier than others some people just don't have the access to somebody who really knows what they're talking about I guess and and it is hard for GPs because they have a huge amount of different specialities to cover you know they can't possibly cover everything but that's ideal having having somebody who specializes in the menopause within your surgery is is wonderful and i think surgeons need to realize that that's half their it's half their um patients the female population and every woman will have a menopause ruth <laughs> exactly so it will ha- help their workload if yeah. they address it properly so uh, and i yeah. think there are changes but i know um diane danzibrink who heads up the uh, make menopause matter campaign she's really sort of campaigning as louise as with louise newson the menopause doctor to change the curriculum for GPs 
So when they do their general practice training, they do now get more education on menopause or it's it's coming considering the, you know, the bulk of time they spend on obs and gynae, when not every woman's going to have a baby compared to what they spend on menopause when every woman, you know, is, is going to walk. Absolutely. Not yeah, everyone's really going to walk through the door, but everybody's going to, you know, be symptomatic or not even yeah. everyone's going to be symptomatic. Half the world's population, that's what I wanted to yes. say, is going to have. We all go through this transitional period, but we're all going to experience it really differently. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you do get 25% people sail through, aren't they lucky? You know, they don't experience symptoms. And I wonder if that's, you know, I wonder if that, I mean, that's got to come down to lifestyle choices. Obviously, there's some genetics in there as well. Mm -hmm. That's got to, and I do wonder, Ruth, actually, you'd probably be a very good person to ask this question to, is I wonder how much of um, your symptoms are based on your production of your own hormones in your lifetime so if you have produced naturally produced and ovulated every month and produced your own progesterone and and um you know not been on a pill or any kind of hormone replacement Mm. i wonder if that has an effect on how you will experience the menopause and the severity of your symptoms and and then going into longer into life uh later life if you I wonder if our body has stored, maybe I've got a backup or there's some sort of memory in our cells that we've constantly produced. That's going a little bit scientific for me. I don't know. I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to learn. I'd love to do the research on that. If there's a different day. I mean, I know we're only just starting to look at, you know, deeply into hot flushes and what causes them. And this research is just starting. But it'd be lovely to to work on, you know, the is there a real benefit to producing your own sex hormones? Well, we all produce our own sex hormones, but it's whether or not um, actually it's just such an individual thing because we've all we're all you unique physiologically, aren't mm-hmm. we? So we are we react to everything slightly differently. So not you know what one works for one person is not going to work for another, and and vice versa. So, um, but no, you could start a research project on that, <gasps> Joe, and then just <laughs> put it on the list. That would be an interesting thing to do. But, what I'm um, hoping is that as I, you know, as I, as I venture further into this world and, and and start, you know, connecting with people like yourself, you know, one day I might come across the person who goes, oh, yes, let's research that. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be somebody out there who, who will have the... Probably uh, somewhere, somebody in America or Australia, because they yeah. seem to be really, really on research. There's, there's loads of research going on over here. Don't underestimate, Joe, the amount of research that goes on over here at all but it's a little bit quieter quieter well read read any of the documentation on british menopause society and the women's health concern or any of that going on then then uh, you can see that there's lots of research going on i will yeah that's my bedtime reading yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so ruth you brought this you wrote we wrote this book it got published in 2019 i don't know when you started writing it um and that was also the year that i started memory menopause and like you i started it because i felt at a loss when i came into perimenopause as to what was happening and the lack of information available to me but that was only two years ago yeah and since that since 2019 even with the pandemic um I think the conversation has exploded. I think there's more awareness now. There's more conversation. You know, you get menopause printed on T-shirts. You know, it's just, which is, I think, a, a brilliant thing. Do you do you think the conversation has changed in that two years? 
I think, yeah, definitely. I mean, I started um, Let's Talk My Pills in 2014 and there weren't nearly as many people like myself um, out there doing what I'm doing. Now there are enormous amounts of organisations out there doing doing what I'm doing, which is fantastic because it's raising awareness. But I also have this theory, it's not proven at all, but there's a cohort of celebrities who have reached a certain age group and they're, they're also helping to raise awareness because they're all going through the menopause, some in having a worse experience than others, some writing books, others doing doing programmes, television programmes on it and some better than others. Um, but it's... Do you know, it's it's that whole um, raising of awareness that has definitely exploded since in the last couple of years. Yes, definitely. But people taking it a lot more seriously and then also lots more education within the workplace, which has been an, a lot of, um, you know, the majority of the corporate world now taking it seriously, which is really, really, really important. Not just the corporate world, the public sector as well. Um, so it's very, very important. Yeah, I mean, it most places really should i mean it should be a uh, menopause policy should sit up with the maternity oh yeah, policy yeah no, definitely. That, you know yeah yeah it's it uncovered under the equality act of 2010 so every organization if you're listening <laughs> should have a menopause policy so at least guidance notes but you need that policy but don't make it a you know huge tomb of a document it just needs to be a simple policy which lays out um how you as an organisation are going to support women through this transitional period and how you're going to facilitate reasonable adjustments for them to be able to retain um, your valuable workforce. And um, But the main thing is how are you going to support women through this period? Because, it, it you know, you need to acknowledge it as something to be taken seriously. And let them know, let them know that you're supporting them. I think that's mm-hmm. what so many, you know, there's a, a big thing, isn't there, on a sick form, if there isn't a, you know, there's not, they're not getting accurate figures on how many days menopause is causing off in, in sickness because you can't accurately record it on the sickness form. And also there's a bit of a shame and embarrassment about putting down, you know, the symptoms and why you weren't at work. So you were not getting, you know, proper data, but it's like, let, let women know, put menopause on the sixth form. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, oh, it's hugely controversial, isn't it? Even with the raised awareness, you still get so many women who feel very vulnerable going through this stage in their lives Mm. and are not, I mean, a huge stigma still with anything to do with mental health issues, even though um, awareness has been raised around that phenomenally well over the years. Um, But anything to do, anything which, which people feel reflects on their performance at work and their coping um, abilities, I think can make people feel really vulnerable and um, and sensitive to coming almost coming out about how they're feeling and and as you say the real reasons why they may be having to take some time off work and having to you know maybe take an adjustment in their role within within the workplace and then unfortunately some people do take early retirement still because of their symptoms which is a very sad place to be so communication is key communication is one of the most important words within the workplace just opening up conversations and providing that support and like you say in the book you know we are the sandwich generation yes so yes, we have got we you know, the elderly parents um and you know caregiving is is almost like a feminist issue isn't it it's like the majority of a elderly parental care will fall to you know a, a female rather than a male you've got a job you've got teenage kids you've got you're symptomatic uh you might have other health conditions you've got a partnership that's maybe not 
giving you what you need in mm-hmm. terms of support. And it's like, yeah, it's a tough time for many women. It can be very pressured. And I think, you know, sometimes that that causes women to to not realise that they might have started going through the menopause because some of the psychological emotional symptoms are, are some of the st- first ones to appear and then, you know, everything starts to evolve. And I think, you know, they've got all these pressures on them that they sort of mistakenly think, oh, gosh, I'm just getting stressed with this and stressed with that and I'm not coping anymore. And, you know, and then they suddenly think, hang on a minute, what's happened to my menstrual cycle? And maybe I've missed a few periods and maybe, you know, something else is happening and, and then they start joining the doctor. But I'm not going to worry about that because I've got teenage kids, elderly parent. I'm trying to keep hold of my job. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it, I'll just ignore it for another year or so. Yeah, and yeah, then... yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Ruth, what a lovely chat. I'd love to ask you a question before Ooh. we say goodbye. <laughs> um, I'm a reader. You know, that's why I have done the podcast because it's yeah. uh, the Mary Menopause Book Club. Um, I recommend your book because I think Thank it's fabulous. Much. Have you got a book that has educated you and inspired you that you can share with me and the listeners? Yes, I you have. Can book on. And I show oh. you three books. <laughs> you can have three, Ruth. Go I on. Can have three. The Go really on. Important. Well, the first Only one. they're good. Oh, we'll no, really, them out really good. Because <laughs> really important if you're trying to cope with any of the psychological, emotional symptoms or the hot flushes and night sweats that you really want to start reducing your stress levels. And a really good way of going about that is through cognitive behavioral therapy, thinking of that as an option. And I think a lot of people get scared about CBT because it's got that word therapy after it. And it's sort of, you know, making people think that, oh, I need psychological help. Well, no, it's, um, it's, it's much simpler than that, but um, a complex at the same time. So it's, it's quite hard to to just quickly explain about CBT if you're not familiar with it. And also, it's very, very hard to access a CBT therapist, especially on the NHS, you know, the huge waiting lists in a lot of areas. So there's two ladies, Professor Tamara Hunter and Dr. Melanie Smith, who've written a self-help guide to CBT. So I'll hold on that. So that's the Managing Hot Flushes and Night Sweats. And that's a self-help guide. It gives a four-week guide that you can go through, which gives you simple coping strategies and tools, um, which can really help with it. Again, it's not a cure. It's it's helping. It's like your lifestyle choices. It's helping you um, reduce your stress levels, helping you to think about your things, simple th- things like your breathing technique, rest and relaxation, but then helping you to think in a slightly different way to break down those thought processes so that you know, at the extreme, you'd be catastrophizing. You don't want to be doing that. And you want to be thinking as calmly as possible. But that's a very, very simplified version. But they've also just released, which is really good. I'm three quarters of the way through living well um, through the menopause. And that's basically their CBT in a in a much more, well, it's an easy to read guide anyway, that self-help guide. But that's an ev- even easier read um, and really explains it really, really well. Um, Love the cover. Have a read. Yes. Fantastic. Sorry, listener. I know you can't see the cover. It's a very. Oh right. Cover. Okay. Sorry. But no, I would definitely. <laughs> I'll give you the link to those, and they really are really beneficial to. And even if you just do one thing, even if you just learn simple breathing techniques, so that you're breathing through your hot flushes and your night sweats, and that's reducing anxiety and stress, which is then in, reducing the intensity and frequency of those. Even if you just do that, then that's progress, and that can help to give you that sense of control back. Mm. And then there's another book which was published this um, this year, last year, recently. Anyway, Jackie Lynch is a nutritionist, and she has released the Happy Menopause. Now that's a fantastic book because again, it's really well laid out. It's full of common sense, 
and um and she's extremely knowledgeable um and knows her stuff so i definitely recommend that as well fantastic well i will put the links to all of those in the show notes fantastic ruth thank you for your time thank you for your knowledge thank you for your wisdom and thank you for your recommendations and uh it's been a real pleasure to meet you oh well thanks for having me on that's very kind Thank you for listening and thank you to Vicky Bristow Communications for producing this series. You can find out more about me and my work at www.themerrymenopause.com or follow me on Instagram at themerrymenopause. If you like what you hear, please leave a review and subscribe. It will really help other people to find me.